Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Well, last weekend was quite a weekend, wasn't it? I'd say I'm still hungover <laughs> from last weekend. A lot of Irish beer. and Yeah, that was pretty good. It's pretty good. Two birthday parties we performed at last weekend that were really fun and just getting us into the holiday spirit. That's only, right. Only 10 shopping days until Christmas. Wendy, do you have and your shopping done yet? No, no, I haven't started. No, I haven't even thought about it. Um, are you sick of listening to Christmas music yet? No, not quite yet. Okay, hasn't I, hit you yet. I, but it, what I am sick of, I'll be honest. What? Star Wars. Oh my god! And I love Star Wars. I love, love, love Star of Wars. Of course, it's like our generation. I am selling my mother's <laughs> old action figures that she what? saved. She, my mother saved a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff. Between um, your Facebook friends and mine, I bet those you could sell them in a second. I know. I've, I just put them up on eBay. So okay. stuff on eBay where people can check out. There's an unopened Yoda from The Empire Strikes oh Back that's actually worth a good deal of money. So my mother always saves something. She always, she always be like, that might be collectible one day and it could be a can, it could be a Wheaties box, it could be something. Smart lady. And she's been doing this forever. Yeah. And Now's um, the time to cash in, man. Yeah. And so when I was looking wow. up the stuff on old figures, like, you know, if, if they've been opened, you know, maybe get five bucks or something yeah. like that for something. But if it's unopened Mint. and hasn't been touched then you can get a good deal of money. So I actually said like, okay, you know, usually I'm like, mom, nobody's ever going to want this crap. Yeah. But this time. I no. Put, and what better time than now? I mean. Right. So I've been, I've been putting that stuff up. Nice. I, but, so I, anyway, I've been living in the Star Wars universe <laughs> and I love Star Wars, but it's just this, everybody's talking about it yeah. too much. Yeah. Like I don't want to build it up because I remember 16 years ago when those other movies came out and there was a ton of build up to it and everybody's yeah. all excited. And then everybody sees it and they're like, Yeah. As like 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 a little kid, like Darth Vader's like like a little kid, man, and he's got a really stupid friend. <laughs> so uh, you used to say I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah, I used to say you stupid, <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. So I'm looking forward. To, I'm gonna see the movie, of course. I yeah. mean, it's just I want everybody to chill out, but I do want them Great. to buy my mother's action figures. Okay, well, on eBay, I'll probably put a link to it. Uh, <laughs> I might even put a link to it in the show notes. You never know. Hey, you know. We just talked about it. So. Right. So anyway, so good luck. May the force be with you when you go see, because I know That's everybody's right. going to go see Star Wars this weekend. So have fun at that. That's probably yeah. more exciting than Christmas yeah. for most of the people I know. You know, they're probably like, Christmas, whatever. Right. Star Wars. Holy crap. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, okay. And just to put things in perspective, the person who's in charge of the new Star Wars is also the man who brought us Lost, which I loved, but I know a lot of people were disappointed in the ending. Okay. So... Um, if you you know if your if your fan uh, excitement oh. is at fever pitch, yeah. Remember, this man has let you down. Before. Oh wow! Yeah, they call me the buzz killer today. Oh, <laughs> I'm the buzz killer. I killed your buzz. <laughs> your buzz is dead. It's on the floor. It's as dead as Obi Wan Kenobi in the first movie. <laughs> anyway, I'm not oh. for that. I don't know why Arnold. I because I probably because I haven't done an Arnold Schwarzenegger right. imitation in way too long. It's gotta come back. Do it. All right. Uh, We've been goofing around a little bit too much. We should be talking about our guest this week. Yes. David Young. Okay. He is a new age 
artist that deals in meditation music. Oh, I love that and stuff. spiritual stuff. And yeah. so, um, you know, I asked him, I'm like, okay, what would you like me to describe you as? And he's like, well, probably the person whose music has created more spiritual experiences than anybody else. Wow. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess that's a headline, right? Yeah. Anyway, interesting guy. He does these soul activation workshops. Okay. Uh, and right now he's like touring the East Coast doing nice. these soul activation workshops. But as a fellow musician, I thought it'd be fun to talk to him because he's got a journey from he, he didn't start as a new age guy. Like oh, he didn't, okay. He didn't come out of his mother looking like Yanni, <laughs> like with a mustache and the long flowing hair, and, <laughs> you know. And the, the pan flutes or whatever. Right. No, not... I think you're thinking of Yamfi- Zamfir. Oh, Zam- okay, okay. Zamfir, master of the pen. <laughs> no, but he does play the recorder. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like crap. Like, oh, okay. that's good. So, you know, the, the, the obviously we play, probably play the recorder when you were in first yeah, grade music or something class. like that. Right. And you're like, yeah, are you sleeping? I loved it. It was fun. Yeah. But it, you're like, how is anything ever going to yeah. sound good? Like the recorder, like unless you're in some kind of Renaissance film or something, the recorder <laughs> sounds like garbage. Um. His recorder sounds pretty good. And he does this trick where he plays the two recorders at once. Like That's he has a, cool. He's got a whole thing. Wow. We even, I even liken him to Michelangelo. Awesome. The guitar player. Not the... Different, different Michelangelo. Right. Not the actual like artist. Sculptor. Yeah. He's uh, this, like a, a guitar player. A little bit different. Uh, has a Chicago accent instead of an Italian one. Um, okay. Well, that's great. I'm excited to check out his music because I listen to that stuff almost every day. All right. Like it's part of my... Then you'll probably... And... and Tens of thousands of people listen to his music every day because it's played in mm-hmm. healing centers all over the country. Cool. And we talk about that and his impact. Okay. And we also talk about the fact that people have been seeing biblical figures and dead people at his concerts. What? So they have uh, people are having spiritual experiences and talking to the other side at his shows. Okay. So I think you might want to get your soul activated. I'm pretty excited to hear about this. This and, sounds really interesting. Well, let's take a listen. All right. I'm here with David Young, who is the most celebrated spiritual musician on the planet. And uh, he's taking a few minutes while he's on tour to talk to See You on the Other Side podcast today, a little bit about his music and the kind of spiritual experiences that are happening at his live events. David, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? It is my pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. So where, where are you right now? I'm leaving New York City. I'm driving up to Greenwich, Connecticut to do a special event tonight that's honoring Mother Mary. Okay, very cool. Very cool. And let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, for people who may not be familiar with your music and stuff like that, where are you from originally and what was your original instrument? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I lived in Los Angeles for nine years. I lived in Minneapolis for nine years. And now I'm back on the East Coast again, and I started playing the recorder. It's like a Renaissance flute in third grade. I kept playing it, got really good at it, and then I started playing guitar, playing in rock bands in high school, and then I came back to making spiritual music in the early 90s. I had a group called Celestial Winds. Uh, It was a woman who played the harp named Lisa, and I played the flute, and... We started with my last $100, and we sold 100,000 CDs. That was from 1990 to 1994. Wow. And then we, we each went our own ways, and um, now I've recorded 57 albums by myself with, you know, either the best musicians of the world or 
you know, some of the CDs I've done myself, but I always use other musicians. And I've sold way over a million CDs, and every day about 300,000 people all around the world listen to my music in various healing centers that use my music for its relaxing healing effect. As a musician myself, that's an inspiring number to hear, David. I think I love that idea that at least 300,000 people every day are hearing your stuff in a healing center or they're using it to make their lives better. And I think as a musician, there's probably nothing more wonderful that you can accomplish with your art. Well, I hate to agree with you, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. Now, uh, the recorder, we got the recorder in second grade, I remember. And like the first thing you learn how to play is Mary Had a Little Lamb or something like that. And so, no, I I remember, and I I think I still have mine at my parents' parents' house in Milwaukee. But what I think is interesting, though, is that you came back to an instrument that, you know, probably wouldn't be a traditional pick for somebody who is a guitar player and singer. And you were in a rock and roll band before you were in a, uh, into spiritual music, right? Before Celestial Winds? Yeah, this is correct. Um, I never dreamed in a gazillion years that, that I'd be doing this because I thought it was hard enough making a living as a guitar player and as a singer. I mean, who would have thought of, of playing the recorder? But that's the way um, the path of my life went. And, you know, that's all the years that I played rock music and wrote songs, that all helped my songwriting in my understanding of melody and harmony and different aspects of music. So I incorporate all the things that I've learned just like we all do it, you know, through our lives we learn different things from different people and mm-hmm. they have an effect on us and that's what makes us who we are as we grow up because we're like a blend of all the things that, that we've learned and the people who have touched our lives and touched our heart. And so when this, when I started to do this music in the early 90s, started to happen, um, I was really amazed how many people were reacting. It. This is when uh, New Age music was just really starting and... You know, I used to, it's really funny because I used to put all this time and money and effort and energy into recording this rock music, and I used to send it to my brother. Yeah. And, you know, I also would send him the Celestial Winds albums that I I did back then. And I would ask him, hey, what did you think about that new rock song that I did? And he would say, well, that's okay, but man, that flute music you got, my girlfriend loves it. We play it all the time in the house, and it's just, it has this beautiful ambiance, and you can really feel the music. It's just, just awesome, man. You should keep doing that. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I was just, I wasn't really putting much thought into that at all. You know, <laughs> I was trying to make a big masterpiece rock song, you know. And uh, so I heard that enough times from people and sold enough of that music where eventually it, it's obvious when, you know, when you bang your head against the wall for a really long time and you're not getting anywhere, but you're doing something creative that people really love and respond to, well, you know, the law of survival says, hey, do that stuff, you know, it's right. working. Follow that pathway. And, th- and that's funny, because I was just listening to a, a speech from Derek Sivers, who ran CD Baby. I was listening to a speech uh, just uh, earlier today, and he says that exact same thing. He's like, if you are, you know, working on something, and people don't have that reaction of like, oh, that's awesome. I want more. Where can I get it? You know, I'm willing to give you my, right now. Then he's like, keep on creating. Keep on finding something new, you know, until people have that reaction of, hey, what you're doing is great. I want some more of it right now. And it sounds like 
you found that when you came into Celestial Winds, but how did you make that move in the first place from a guy working on rock songs in Los Angeles in the heyday, you know, the, you know, the Sunset Strip and things like that. When you think about L.A. in the 80s and, and glam rock and poison and huge hair and, you know, hairspray and makeup and glam. How did you go from that to the, I mean, the very opposite end of the spectrum of a band like Faster Pussycat? Well, it was uh, against oh, oh my common sense in the beginning because you know I I was down to my last hundred bucks. I was thirty years old. I was like heading towards the end of my rope. You know what I mean? It's like wow, where the heck is this going? You know, I really am in such trouble. Right and. <laughs> When I was playing at one of these clubs, there was a woman who, who was friends with one of my friends, and she introduced herself, and she said that she played the harp at Venice Beach on the weekends, and she was making $200 a day. And I thought, wow, that sounds like $2,000 a day, you know, because that seemed like a lot of money to get paid for just playing your instrument by yourself. Right. And, and out in public, was, you're on the boardwalk and stuff like that. It's nice out in Venice Beach. Well, it is nice for, for sure. It's it's also kind of like the Noah's Ark of the psychic and insane because there's two of every crazy kind of person you can imagine um, <laughs> at Venice Beach, you know. And so when I got really, really desperate for money, I went down to Venice Beach. I played by myself for, for, for two hours, and I didn't make a dollar. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't even make it here where the losers are. You know, <laughs> where am I going now? So I was... Walking back to my car, and my parking was $6, and now I only have $94 left. And I came across this woman playing the harp. And, you know, long story short, she asked me to play with her a little bit, because she knew I was a good musician, because she saw me playing in, the, in another club a couple of months earlier. Okay. And, you know, we started making these tapes called Celestial Winds, and honest, honest to goodness, we didn't have the money for a photo session or a... Uh, or, you know, any fancy printing, and we found a picture of a girl playing a flute and a, a guy playing a flute and a girl playing a harp, and we made 50 copies of it at Kinko's, and they actually have colored markers and colored crayons and stuff that they have that you can use at Kinko's just in case anybody's thinking about doing this, and we, we colored in the cassette tapes with the colored markers and colored pencils and so we would have color on it so that's that's really as and diy as you can get really every single one of those things was colored by hand so we made a hundred of them we sold um a hundred of them the first weekend and then we made 150 of them and we made 200 of them and just kept growing and after two years we had sold uh 10,000 copies of these tapes that were all colored by hand and I never thought anything of it. I really, I didn't think anything was ever going to come of it, to tell you the truth. And, you know, except for the weekends when I was at Venice Beach, the rest of the week I'd be playing in rock clubs and doing these different things. And then when I'd go down to Venice Beach on the weekends, I'd wear my sunglasses so my friends wouldn't recognize me. You know, because, <laughs> you know, I didn't think it was a cool thing to do. Um, right, like you turned into Yanni or something like that. Well, actually, as long as you bring them up, he played at Venice Beach for two years before I got there, just the same way I did. You know, oh, before wow. he got all all famous. Yeah, that's the way he got started. And but you know, that's that's a nice thing for him. It was, you know, if you're willing to work and 
you know, I, honestly, being a musician like you are, we have a certain, um, like we all have an ego. Yes, you know, we the absolutely idea, do. If the, the idea of, of playing on, uh, on Venice Beach is like, it's like the last thing in the world any, any musician really wants to do. <laughs> right. And, you know, so, you know, it was very humbling on, on one respect, you know, uh, just because, you know, really, like, when you're on, when you're playing on the street like that, and, and you got to remember, this is 25 years ago, when you're playing on the street, it's, it's really humbling. I mean... Well, because people ignore you, they walk past you. I mean, all the things that people do when you're playing on the street, they, they act like they're annoyed by you, they're, you know, all... All this stuff, they come up and they say, like, can you play Freebird on the recorder for me? That's funny. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, it, it was very unique, but, you know, we created this music that was just so deeply relaxing that it really had an effect on people. And so, I mean, we sold a lot of tapes of Venice Beach, but that's how I got started. But I'd, I'd rather actually... Um, because I've talked about that quite quite often in my interviews over the last 25 years. If it's okay, I'd rather talk about what's happening now and, and how it relates to the ascension that the world is experiencing right now. Because, you know, we're in an incredible time right now. The Mayan calendar ended in 2012. A lot of people really weren't sure of what was going to happen next. Nope. And... And what has been happening is that the world literally has been waking up spiritually. Uh, there's over 20 million Americans doing yoga at least twice a week, and every yoga session starts with a meditation and ends with a meditation. And when I started doing the soul activation events, which turned into the soul ascension events, uh, I had no idea that people were going to have the experiences that they were going to share at my events, because... Um, I'd, I'd never heard of anybody having these kind of experiences. You know, I'd, I knew that when I played the flute, it was relaxing. And, you know, sometimes people would say it was really healing for them emotionally. But, you know, I had no idea that, you know, you'd have five people in the room um, experiencing Jesus and having Jesus showing them certain symbols that he showed five people the same exact symbols. And when these people were- I want to set that up and get there. Like, we wanted to go a little bit over your history so people know that, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about new agey stuff, sometimes, you know, people are like, well, that guy grew up in a commune and his sister's name was Leaf or something like that. You know what I mean? But I wanted people to know that you're a straight up normal guy who's going for, going for being a rock musician and then found this direction and found a calling almost. Yeah into it and then when you got into it you found incredible success and you know obviously changed your life into you know well yeah, go ahead. it changed my life and and the unique thing about it is that it changed a whole lot of other people's lives also because you know there was a time when people the average time that people listened to my music every day was five hours because i had ten thousand spas in the United States that would play in my music all day long. And anybody who bought the CDs that I had would always write in and say, oh my gosh, I listened to this thing for, I have it on repeat. It was a funny thing. One woman once sent in an email that said, 
Um, I've been listening to this album on repeat over and over in my house for nine months. Do you have any other CDs? You know, uh, she's never <laughs> taken that CD out. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. I mean, there's been so many funny things, but it's had such an effect on people. Um, you know, I couldn't even tell you how many thousands of women had my music playing in a delivery room because they wanted this music to be the first sound that their babies heard when they came in, into this world. Oh, sure. And then how many, how many people would have that music playing in that baby's room like first 10 years of their life? You know, they grew up. There's a whole generation of, of kids who grew up listening to my music. And, you know, if I've sold a, a million CDs as of about 10 years ago, um, just think of all the different people who have felt the effects of that in their life and how, you know, it's really, um, you know, music is energy. It has an effect on, on our feet. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it can change our, it can change the, like the water inside uh, the water that makes us you know that is affected by the sound waves Uh, our brain attaches to certain frequencies uh, rather than others and so you're a hundred percent in there when you're saying music just affects how you feel it it affects you physically as well as mentally and i think what we want to talk about with you is how it affects you spiritually and i want to set the scene for anybody who might be interested in the soul activation workshops and what you're kind of doing right now and, and how it came about. So we were talking on the podcast last week, actually, about meditation practices. And I was talking about mine and focusing on breathing and then talking about the things we're doing in the new year. And I was trying a new meditation practice. And is that something you do? Oh, yeah. I've been meditating since I was 22 years old. Um, I quit drinking any kind of alcohol at all when I was 22 years old. And, you know, for almost 30 years, I never had a beer. You know, all my friends who knew me, um, like my idea of a party was not that much fun, you know, <laughs> because, um, you know, I just, I was living a very spiritual life. And so the fact that I meditated you know, that energy from meditating for 30 years went into my music, and I actually figured out a couple of years ago why my music has had such a profound effect on on people. And so you meditate. So you know that in the first 10 minutes of your meditation, you know, your mind is still moving around a little bit because it's used to moving around a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, just trying to tell my, I'm just trying to tell my head to shut up for the first 10 minutes. You know, it's, it's like I feel that if I get two minutes of even relative peace and quiet, like then it's, I've accomplished something. Absolutely. Okay, so you notice that if you stay in there after the first 10 minutes, that your mind settles down a little bit because for the first 10 minutes... A lot of times, you know, when you're first starting to meditate, you're thinking, all right, am I going to do this anymore because nothing's happening? I feel like I'm wasting my time. Uh, what am I supposed to do tomorrow? And, you know, your mind is used to being active in a certain logical way all the time. Right. And then if you stay in it past the first 10 minutes, then you get a little bit of breath of air in there where the thoughts are not coming every second. And, you know, sometimes the thoughts are coming every five or 10 seconds. And that's really a good start. Mm-hmm. To have 10 seconds without a thought, that means that the energy going into your body and into your nervous system is not being stimulated by your logical mind. That means for 10 seconds, 
you actually might have some peace and silence for 10 seconds, okay, which is a wonderful thing. So if you stay in it for another 10 minutes, now you're 20 minutes into your meditation. Now if the thoughts are coming every 20 or 30 or 40 seconds, your body is not used to having 20 or 30 or 40 seconds of peace. No, it's not. And so, right? So, so you get to a place now where, oh, wow, it's like your breathing slows down and, you know, there's this beautiful feeling and it's, it's wonderful, you know. So the best part of your meditation happens after 20 minutes because it takes that long for you to get into those higher states where your brain waves are slowed down so you actually are in a position where you can have a spiritual experience. Now, when you're writing so, songs, though, when you're working on the meditation music and the flow of the song and on the in the track, or if you have a bunch of tracks that you put together for a you know for a full album, when you're putting that together, do you think about that like the the music for meditation, where you think, okay, I'm going to try these sounds ten minutes in because I know they're going to be feeling differently at this point, or I'm going to try these sounds that when when they're going to come you know come back to come back to uh, stop focusing on their breath or whatever and start being really present or, you know, come back out of it. Do you think about that when you're writing? I don't, I don't do it that way. Um, but it's an interesting point you bring, bring out because back in the 90s, you know, when people made new age music, most of the albums that people made, they were using a song format where instead of a song being three or four minutes, most new age songs would be, let's say, five or six minutes, which were longer than normal, but mm-hmm. they were still five, six minutes. What I, what I started noticing in the early 2000s was that people didn't like the breaks in between songs, you know, because I've been selling music to over 10,000 healers. You know, I've been saying it's 10,000 healers for about, 15 years already. There's got to be way more than 10,000 healers. You know what I mean? Right. So one of the things that, that all the healers would say to me is that, like, they, they would love it if I had songs that were longer than five or six minutes, you know? So there weren't so many breaks in between the songs like a normal album used to have way back then. And so I started making the, the songs like 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, and I actually... After, after getting so much positive response from that, I started making albums that it was one song for an entire album, one song for 60 minutes. And the, the more I did that, the more people went, oh, this is the best, you know? Because once they get into that, that sure. presence of peace inside themselves, it's like one groove and it's easier to stay in your meditation without having a song in and a different song start in a different key or something like that. And they don't want to break that. They don't want to break that break in the playlist. You know, you don't want to have to switch sides of the album or whatever like you used to have to do. You want to feel, yeah. with this kind of music, you want that continuous feeling going the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if there were different pieces of music on that album, the instrumentation of those different songs... Like, let's say there's only four songs or five songs on the entire album, which means that some of the songs are 10, 15 minutes long. Mm -hmm. If if there were different songs, then I would make sure that each of the songs, the instrumentation was was similar. Like, I started making albums that were all completely flute with harp or all completely um, flute with piano. You know, so there was a consistency throughout the whole album because it was setting a mood. 
for people. Oh, and that's smart. the more, yeah, the more I did that, the happier, the happier the customers were, and you know, the more music I sold, and and then the more of this good energy was getting out into the world. You know, um, you know, it's a unique thing when you when you take, let's say you take a month of time to create an album. And let's say it takes a month of money to create that album. Well, if you're going to sell 2,000 copies of that album in a year, it, it takes the same amount of energy to, to also create something that's going to sell 10 or 20,000 copies of that album because you're giving people what they want. And, you know, there's a part of me when I make my music that it's like, it has to be the most spiritual music and that, that I can, if I don't, if I don't get a buzz, you know what I mean? If mm-hmm. I don't feel that, that spiritual energy in, in the music, when I'm making it, then I don't, it's not done. I don't put it out. And so one of the things that I found out was that, you know, the feeling that you get when you've been meditating for 25, 30 minutes, oh, you're in that deep peace. It's like, you don't want to move. It just feels so good. I don't feel like my CDs are done. Until within a minute or two, I get that feeling of 25 minutes of meditation. So when when people put on my CDs, they say, wow, like in a minute or two, I'm right in that deep place. I love that. How come it, how come it works like that? Because that's the standard I have. I want people to feel that deep spiritual vibe like the way I feel it when I've been meditating for 25 or 30 minutes. And so that's one of the things that's unique about my music and you know, the other thing that's unique is that I'm playing these two recorders that are much bigger than the recorders that everybody learns in third grade. Okay. And I'm playing two of these at one time in harmony. And that creates this this buzz. It's almost, um, it's like this, the two notes create a third note. It's just like this buzz of spiritual energy in the music. No, and I I could I could so, I could sense that too. I watched the video of you playing uh, "Imagine" by John Lennon, uh, uh, an arrangement of that with the two recorders at once. I watched it on YouTube, and I will vouch for it. It's really cool, and it's not like I always like to make fun of tube and throat singing because when I first heard of tube and throat singing and people being able to have two uh, notes in one voice at the same time, I was like, oh my god, guys. People can have two notes from one voice. We have to check it out. And then I checked it out, and I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> what's this? Um, yeah. It, it, it wasn't exactly what I, you know, what called, I expected. It's called an overtone. It, it's an overtone. And so what happens is that an overtone is a frequency. It's a vibration. And when our ears hear this vibration, this frequency of the overtone, all of a sudden, it's making us feel something. You know, like, if you, you know, if you have the car stereo on loud in your car, you know how you put your hand on the seat, you can feel the seat vibrating? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's because it's vibrating to those tones and the overtones that are in the music. So if you're listening to, to music that literally makes your body vibrate and makes, makes your soul inside your body it stirs your soul and and creates a vibration in your soul. Then that's going to make it easier for you to have a spiritual experience because your soul is uplifted. Your soul is feeling the energy in that vibration 
Does, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I can tell what you're saying is that, you know, sometimes, I mean, that, that's the thing about harmony, is that harmony is more than the sum of its parts. You know, you're, you're, not, right. you're not hearing just two notes. It's those two notes together when they flow and they're smooth that um, when you really hear it, you, you feel it. And I, I think that's a, that's a good point. And you could totally sense that from when you were doing the two recorders at the same time. And, and it's funny because it made me think a little bit about the last time I saw somebody play two instruments at the same time. And that's uh, Michelangelo from the band Nitro. Okay. He plays a double neck guitar with two instruments at the same time. And he moved back to the, the Midwest after being out in L.A. for 100 years, you know. And he came back to the Midwest and he performed at like the Wisconsin Area Music Awards and stuff. And he did the thing, two things at the same time. And it wasn't a like a spiritual experience, let's say. But it was that kind of feeling of that the harmony of the when he's doing leads, two at the same time coming from one person, you could really feel the sum is greater than the parts. And I felt the same thing uh, when I heard your version of Imagine. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes so that people can, can check that out for themselves because it it's impressive. It's, it's really impressive. Well, thank you. That's, uh, that song, Imagine, is, is such an amazing song. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with all the things that have been happening in the world, it's, that song is so meaningful. And, you know, if you think about it, what a, what a beautiful thing for John Lennon to say in a song just like, I imagine all of us not worrying about tomorrow and helping each other and living for today. And wow, what a beautiful world it would be if, if we had that, if more people thought like that. And you know, that's one of the things that really is an example of what, what a special person John Lennon was and what he, what he is and what he stood for, represented, and how he used his talent to literally put positive messages out in the world. And those messages are still the most powerful musical messages on the planet right now, you know, 30 years after he's not here anymore. Yeah, physically, uh, unbelievable. You know? December 8th was the 35th anniversary of his death. Yep, and uh, October 9th was the 75th, um, you know, he, he would have been 75. That's just a, Oh my um, God! Just thinking hey, that no, John I, Lennon would have been seventy-five years old. I just—you can't picture him like that. You can't picture him as an old man. That's an interesting thing. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. You know, you want to hear something? Um, there's a really famous quote that John said when he was like eight or nine years old. This his teacher asked him, um, "John, what do you want to be when you grow up?" Because she was asking all the kids in the class what they wanted to be when they grew up, and he said, "I want to be happy." And so the teacher laughed and said, no, John, I don't think you understand the question. And John said, no, ma'am, I don't think you understand the answer. That's perfect. Isn't that, that's, that's a perfect description of uh, the kind of cleverness in, in, in him and his art and the genius of the things he did, the positive messages and stuff. And that's why I want to take the, the last part of the interview, these, these last few minutes, and I want to talk about your soul activation workshops and what kind of stuff is yep. happening and what you're doing at those places. So set the scene. So what kind of places do you guys usually do the, the soul workshops in? Uh, the soul ascension workshops, they can be in event halls, yoga studios, conventions, you know, like spiritual conventions, new age conventions. Um, 
all different kinds of spiritual places. And they had anywhere from 20 to 60 to 100 people at the event. Do you usually bring a band or usually have tracks? or uh, So it's you and the... Well, I play with tracks. Okay. I quit traveling with musicians like in 1995. And Can't blame I you. I play along with And the energy of these events have escalated to the point that um, literally 80% of the people in the room and this is not my opinion. This is not me, you know, guessing or making this stuff up. Right. I, I, I've done 129 of these events over the last last year, and 80% of the people, because I get a, a count of hands, okay, how many people after that meditation reconnected with their grandmothers, grandfathers, sons, daughters, somebody who they loved that's now on the other side, on the heavenly side? Mm-hmm. And I count the hands. And how many people in the audience have had experiences where you had a conversation with Mother Mary or Buddha or Jesus or Gandhi? Um, and I count the hands. And so it's literally 80% of the audience. And this is 79 events in a row. Now, we call a fact something that is an outcome that is repeated. Right. You know, if you drop your, if you drop your keys on the floor... A number of times you have proved that there is a law of gravity. So I have proved 79 events in a row with the help of the heavenly team. You know, that's what I call Jesus, Buddha, the, the heavenly team. Sure, whoever, whoever's upstairs. Are, yeah, well, they're actually, they're all, they all work together. You know, the religions of the world make it look like these things are opposing, but that's just the religions in the world trying to get people to come to their building. You know what I mean? Right. Um, in, in heaven, there is no separation between all those things. There really isn't. Anybody who's had a near-death experience, there's millions of people on the planet who have had near-death experience from car accidents or from op- operations, whatever it is. And they all describe the same thing. They all des- describe this tremendous love. And whatever they thought of while they were in that state, Mm-hmm. Let's call it a higher state, just for simplicity. Whatever they thought of, that is what manifested. So whatever, there's no difference between your imagination, your thought, or reality in heaven. Because whatever you think manifests instantly. You see, this is a unique concept that we think that life here on earth, we think this is it. Right. Most people think that life is like 100% physical, and if you're really spiritual, well, maybe you think that it's 50% spiritual and 50, 50% physical. And we try to understand something that there's no words for here in the physical. But all those millions of people who have had near-death experiences, and the most popular books in the world right now are all about near-death experiences and about doctors who are proving the consistency of all the different experiences that people are having. Um, You know, if you have, at 79 events, if you have 10 or 20 people talking with Jesus or Buddha and sharing their experiences right there of what Jesus said to them or what Lao Tzu said to them, and you see the consistency in what these people are being told by the Ascended Masters, then... After you have 815 people, because that's where it's at as of last Sunday, <laughs> you can tell a pattern. You know, it's, it's, it just is the truth. And there are people who, 
when that meditation is over, are bawling their eyes out because they just had such a profound experience with their favorite grandmother or somebody who they loved that's on the other side. Or sometimes, you know, people will have an experience with Mother Mary and Jesus or Lao Tzu and Wayne Dyer. Um, and so they, they have a conversation literally with more than one of them. And the amazing thing is that there's always people in the room who have, when they share their experiences, they have experiences that are the same as other people. Like, for example, I can go 20 events in a row, mm-hmm. and not one, person, not one person in the audience will say anything about, uh, let's just say, a, seeing a white horse. Not one person mentions seeing a white horse for 20 events in a row. And then there'll be one night where 15 people say, oh, my God, I saw this white horse and described the whole setting. How can 15 people see the same thing if there's, if there's nothing guiding it for that? And they're just listening to me play the flute. How can you have five people in an audience who word for word describe flying over a grassy hill? There's a wheelbarrow on the hill. There are these little purple flowers with yellow dots in it. How is it possible for five people to see the exact same thing? It, 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 it's, a, it's a whole other realm. It's beyond what we've taught makes sense. It, it makes sense in a different way. And, you know, one of the things is that we are taught as human beings to be skeptical. We were misinformed that being skeptical was a sign, a sign of intelligence. Right. Being skeptical just means you have a closed mind and you're not growing beyond that closed mind that you have. Okay. Well, um, okay. I, I'm with I'm with you a little bit there because I always think I always think keep an open mind, you know, keep an open mind, but you got to watch out for shysters because there are there are people out there who do want to take advantage of other people, unfortunately. But um, hey, listen, I grew, I grew up in in Brooklyn, in New York City. <laughs> you don't have to teach. Okay, but the thing what happens, and I notice this because I'm in four cities a week. What I notice is in that the bigger cities in places like New York. Because people are constantly keeping the shysters out, if you want to, if you want to call it that. Right. Um, they're so used to being skeptical that it puts them in a pattern of being skeptical. And what happens is that they are skeptical of their own spiritual experiences. And they don't believe their own spiritual experiences because they're so used to not believing anybody or anything. And this is, this is a fact, you know. Um, you've got to get... Every relationship, if you think about it, have, have you ever been in therapy? Yes, oh yeah. Okay, like in any form of couples therapy, the number one most important thing for a relationship to be successful is called trust. You can't have a healthy relationship if there's no trust between two people. In the same regard, if you have your logical mind, which is your lower mind that you use to survive in this world, which is the 2% of your intelligence. Everybody knows that we only have, we're only using 2% of what our actual intelligence is. Okay? So, let's say we have this higher intelligence. We're missing out on 98% of our higher intelligence. Okay? Mm. So, until you start to trust your higher intelligence, you're stuck in the 2%. You're, You're stuck... In the, in the skeptical, logical mind that nobody accomplishes anything with that. 
even Albert Einstein. And for, as a matter of fact, on Sunday, four people on Sunday, for the first time, shared experiences with having a meeting, a conversation, an experience with Albert Einstein. Four people in that one day for the first time. That's awesome. And I, I kind of want to set that up for a second. So when you're at the workshop and you're talking through people and you're performing for them, you know, is that like, so are you encouraging people to meditate while they're listening to the live performance? Oh, yeah. I, I tell people, look, I'm going to show you how I played two flutes at one time here in the introduction. I played for about 10 seconds. I said, um, when you start your meditation, keep your eyes closed. Don't don't open up and, and, and peek at watching me playing. Just keep your eyes closed and allow yourself to relax and allow your mind to drift and go into this with an open mind because that is when the magic happens. And even Albert Einstein, one of the most intelligent, intelligent men in the last hundred years, he said the most important part of us is our imagination. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a unique thing to, to think about. When we are born, have you ever looked at the eyes of a baby that's a month or two months or three months old? You ever see that look in their eyes? They have this look of wonder of like, wow, this is just incredible. That's because they have just spent the last 20 or 50 years of lifetime in heaven. And so because they've just come into this body, they're still living with all the vibration from heaven, and they go back and forth between their physical body and their heavenly body, if you want to call it their heavenly body, sure. or their higher, their higher intelligence. Okay? And so isn't it interesting that... At, when we're kids, when we're one, two, five, six years old, we have these incredible imaginations, okay? And then our society convinces us, well, you shouldn't really be talking about things like that because that's just your imagination. So it shuts us down. But just think about it like this. With all the things that were said in the Bible that they, they say that Jesus said, but just if there's one thing that I am sure that he said, it was that if we're not like little children, we're never going to get to see the kingdom of heaven. So just think about it. Little children have active imaginations. They allow themselves to believe that they can, what they're seeing when they're drifting off is real. Yes. Now, when you're drifting, when you're drifting off in meditation and when you learn something that you didn't know before that meditation, and you find wisdom from talking to either Mother Mary or Buddha or any one of the heavenly teams, then then it's benefiting you in a gigantic way, and then it shows that there's something that's really going on. You know, people get advice um, and guidance from the ascended teachers that they didn't know what to do in their life, and so they have a conversation with Jesus or or whoever it is, and now they can make changes in their life that affect their life in a positive way. Well, have you yourself had any kind of ex- experiences like that, spiritual experiences through music or, or meditation or things like that where you have feel like you've connected with anybody on the Heavenly Team? Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Um, and one of the things that's happening now with what's called the Ascension is that this is the first time in human history where the religions of the world are not overpowering people. So people are not afraid to share their experiences. So they can talk about their spiritual experiences without the church, you know, without being persecuted by the, you know, the church or the, their religion. They feel they're free to do that now, you're thinking. Right. Well, 
if you go, if you look at the Bible, what, what actually happened was that um, Jesus was killed because he was accused of disturbing the peace. That's you know that's that's what happened if you if you look back in, in the time they called him sharing the peace in a peaceful way, disturbing the peace. And and a thousand years ago, five hundred years ago, you couldn't talk openly about spirituality. You you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're in a, in a time where humanity has evolved to the point where people can share their experiences without being afraid of being persecuted or being hurt or put in jail or something like that. We live in a time where we're used to freedom. We didn't have this freedom a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago. There, there was none of that kind of stuff. You either, you either did what, what the government said or the, what the church said, or, you know, you were going to pay for it. With or that was it. Yeah. You know, and so this is part of the whole thing with the Ascension. And the other part is that, um, I guess I, I guess the best way for me to say it is that because because of this, the ascended teachers, the ascended masters, the heavenly team, whatever you choose to call them, um, they are appearing to people more and more because this is what God wants them to do. I guess that's the simplest way I could say it, and that's what is changing this world and. Um, that is this incredible positive energy that's coming out now that we've never had this much spirituality on the planet at one time with so many people pursuing spirituality and meditating and wanting to know what the deeper meanings of life are. This is, this is a new thing. I mean, if you go back a hundred or 500 years, just look at how the age span has changed. You know, you go back 500 years, you have to person who lived to be 30 years old. Now, if you live to be 60, you have a 90% chance of being 90. That's a triple life lifespan. Three times as much time as we had 100 or 500 years ago. Well, and it lets us get past the basic questions and start thinking about the bigger things when you have more time sure. and then also more generations and you have more time to reflect and more wisdom and intelligence, too, as you get on than you did And I I like that message that you're saying, that more people are being spiritual than they ever have before, because compared to most of the things that I hear and read, it's a positive message. It's a message that we're changing for the better instead of changing for the worse. And most of the time, I hear the exact opposite. Oh, yeah, that's just because people want to focus on the negative. But if, you know, if you think the world is not a better place now than it was 500 years ago, um, you know... In every way, life is better than it was 500 years ago. I mean, if you had a toothache 500 years ago, you were in big trouble. Right, your tooth is gone. You know, um, and in every single way. I mean, there's always stuff that's happening in the world that's that's bad and it's horrible, but if you look at how much amazing, wonderful things are happening, you know, it's we live in an amazing world of of incredible spiritual opportunity, and we have freedoms now that we never had. And and that you know, is... And, and I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, and all of those things do combine for what I think should be a more positive than, than, than negative message. And so um, that's one of the nice things to hear, to hear someone else agree that maybe it's not all going down the toilet. Maybe we're going to be it's all not, right. It's and, not going down the toilet. 
I mean, there's stuff that happens. There's no doubt that there's, there's horrible stuff that happens. But, you know, if you can walk out your, your door and, you know, walk downtown and not being worried that somebody's going to persecute you for whatever your religion is or, um, you know, we have a lot of things to be grateful for that we didn't have a thousand or two thousand years ago. It's like, it's uncomparable. Agreed. Agreed. Well, well, I just want to say that, uh, David, I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to talk with us about your soul activation workshops. What's your website? And we'll put this in the show notes, too, so, so that people who want to come see you live, enjoy your music, and check it out, uh, give them your website right now, and we'll also put it in the show notes. It's davidyoungmusic.com. Uh, you can also friend me on Facebook. I have a you know, a pretty good presence on Facebook that people write into all the time and share their experiences that they have at the events. Um, the other thing I want to tell you is that you're going to be able to find this out on my website over the next two, three days. But I just got really involved in live streaming, and I'm going to be having live streaming of these events about three days a week. So this way, people, you know, I can't be everywhere, and the people who want to meditate. I mean, there will be morning meditations. So sometimes people like to meditate in the morning. Well, there's going to be meditations that are going to be live streamed through my website um, that, that you can click on to. And there's a, there's a price if you want to do one streaming session. And there's a monthly price that is a really, um, it, it's a really wonderful thing for people to have unlimited live streaming where they literally, um, every month they would have 20 different events to tune into and if they just want to meditate and not want to share any of their experiences well then you can you know turn it off and do something else but if you want to share your experiences there's going to be a platform for people to be able to share their experiences and this is going to go around the world because that's what streaming does right there's people all, all over the world that have been listening to my music who will now finally have a chance to watch me play well, I think that's that sounds sounds awesome, and I, I encourage everybody to check out davidyoungmusic.com uh, if you're interested in uh, meditation, soothing, healing sounds. It's, it sounds great stuff, and uh, you'll you'll see the links in the show notes, and uh, make sure to check it out. And I'm always encouraging meditation for you know any kind of thing, thinking through problems and uh, trying to escape from your own head for a little while. I don't know if there's any more powerful tool than that, and davidyoungmusic.com is a great way that you can start getting a little helper for that tool in your daily life. So thanks a lot, David. We really appreciate that, and good luck on tour, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you so much. You can always ask for a little help from your heavenly friend. Is your soul activated yet? It is so activated. Yeah, no, I, he seems like re- he's a real nice guy. Yeah. And I thought he was pretty down yeah, to earth. Yeah. I mean, talking about the ascension and people's spiritual awakening. But I liked that he came down and he had a positive attitude saying that we've got more in front of us than behind us. That's great. And I, uh, I you don't see that. A lot of, you know, people yeah. who are religious, they live on fire and brimstone. I mean, we're talking about the yeah. pilgrims a couple weeks ago. And not only that, not only religious people, but musicians. Yeah, just most people <laughs> tend in, to be a right. bit negative. Negative. Negative, like the world's going to hell. Yeah, so it's it's refreshing to hear that kind of an attitude. Yeah, that things outlook. are getting better than worse. So uh, thanks, David Young. Make sure you check out thanks, his David website, Young. davidyoungmusic.com. And so we decided to make our own meditation track this week. So if you got five minutes, uh, close your eyes. If you're driving, close your eyes. <laughs> no. no I'm just kidding. People always say that, like, don't listen to this while you're driving. Oh, my gosh. Well, this, is, this music is not going to, there's no subtle messages or anything. It's just new agey 
kind of meditation music for you to enjoy. Don't close your eyes if you're driving, obviously. If you need me to tell you that, then you got problems. More problems than a meditation track can help with. So this is us trying a new agey meditation track. And we don't have a name for it. It's just five minutes of meditative music for your day. Um...
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. I'm the buzz killer. I killed your buzz. <laughs> buzz is dead. It's on the floor. It's as dead as Obi-Wan Kenobi in that first movie. <laughs>